Hello listeners. September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Join us at Relay FM in supporting St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Learn more and donate now at 512pixels.net slash September. Oh, was that me making noise? Yeah, it was you, buddy. Not good. Amateur hour over here. Oh, I know, right? Who is this guy? Who the hell is Casey? Uh, who the hell is that guy? Is Casey? Um, speaking of amateur hour, you know what I did again tonight? What? Like an idiot. Just had some corn on the cob. Ugh, you and that corn on the cob. Uh, I know. When am I going to learn? You're always eating corn on the cob these days. I know. Just like corn on the cob Casey. <laughs> Something like that. Did we just find our show intro? <laughs> Probably, actually. Hello and welcome to episode number six of Analog on Relay FM. This episode of Analog is brought to you by Lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a free trial, visit Lynda.com slash analog. Hello, Casey Liss. Hello, Michael Hurley. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am very well. Let's just own let's just own this right up front about when we're recording this episode. Sure. So we recorded episode five on the 11th of September, and we are recording episode six on the 12th. Yes. Uh, And that's because I'm away all of next week. And I mean, usually we give it a few days, and all of the shows that come out, like that came out when you hear this last week, were recorded in advance. But this show, it go, it goes even th- further because it goes into like the whole next week because of when we released the episode. So it's right. it's a very strange feeling. Um, so we don't really have, well, we have a little bit of follow up, but it's not actually really follow up based on the fact that anybody is um, has anybody sent anything in. Um, yeah. So we recorded the, uh, episode five, like you said, uh, just last night. But by the time most of you hear this, it it will have been released for a week already. And so it's funny because Mike and I were just chatting before we started recording that we're both super proud of that episode and that Stephen we did with too. Stephen. Stephen was, is, yeah. yeah, he's very, very proud of it. Um, but it could be just us. <laughs> it yeah. might be that nobody else liked it. So maybe maybe we, like, I'll, I'll say now then, while we don't have uh, anything to, to kind of to have changed it, it's one of the episodes of a podcast i am most proud of making so that was a horrible way of saying that um but like that so basically the only other show that i can think of that i felt like this proud of was episode 30 of the prompt which was our iphone keynote episode but i came out of that i came out of that episode feeling like we'd done something really really great last week and we had about 50 people listening live and i had five emails this morning from people that had listened live and we had a bunch of tweets too so i mean and the email that that we got was incredible uh i have some that i've glanced at that i i haven't i haven't read through yet because they're they're huge and i want to be able i know that they need consideration and i feel like that's going to be a lot of the follow-up that we get i wouldn't be surprised if the episode the next episode is about (laughs) follow-up yeah seriously (laughs) because i i have no doubt that we'll be that we'll be getting quite a bit of it well and or by the time you hear this we would already have received quite a bit of it right uh but no it 
I completely echo everything you just said. I am so glad we had Stephen on as our uh, first guest. I know that Mike and I plan to have guests every great once in a while. We already have one or two that we were um, thinking about asking. Um, But I am extraordinarily proud of episode five. And I really think it was an important topic. And I I think we handled it well. Um, I'm scared this comes back to episode one because we've put something out there. And I'm not really sure how it's going to be received. But certainly, like you said, the initial feedback has been really awesome. And so for those who have sent feedback already, thank you. And um, in episode seven, like Mike said, uh, I suspect that we'll be at at least briefly covering follow-up for episode five. But everything's a little out of whack because of uh, of next week's or I guess this week's vacation. Is that right? No, last week's. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do some more out-of-date follow-up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do some more out-of-date follow-up. Um, so this morning we, I woke up really early and you woke up probably normal time and you, and both of us had the option to buy phones. What did you get if you succeeded in getting anything at all? Uh, I got a, uh, iPhone six plus 64 gigabyte, uh, space gray. I did the exact same thing with the exception of, I did not get a barge phone. Stop it. Stop it. Hi, Stephen. I got a uh, regular-sized iPhone 6, 64 gig, space gray. Um, when did when did it work for you? I don't recall, because I was talking to so many people while this was going on, and I was in like this sleep, bleary-eyed state. Um, for me, I didn't actually get through until about quarter to four in the morning, but uh, and, and the... Uh, uh, stuff was supposed to go on sale at three in the morning my time. It was eight in the morning for you. Is that right? Yeah, I, my order. I, I have an email saying my order was processed processed at eight thirty four. Oh, so roughly the same time, give or take a little bit. Yeah, about about thirty minutes it took, and and I got mine for. Um, it seemed like there was all it was all sorts of broken. Like the the app wasn't working. I I bought mine for the website. I also ordered a, a blue silicone case. Which will be dispatched in October. <laughs> Wait, now, a quick aside. I would have said shipped there. Are, is dispatched the colloquialism in the UK that's most widely accepted? Like, you wouldn't have said shipped, you would have said dispatched? No, I think I would have said shipped, but I'm reading the word dispatched. Mm, fair enough. I was just curious. Uh, but we were... I don't know what the common word is, but I think I might say shipped because of Americans. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so th- I think that's quite funny that the case is is not shipping for like a couple of weeks. I'm probably just gonna go to an Apple store and, and buy one anyway and cancel the order or something. Yeah, so I was trying to order mine, and I was trying my iPad, I was trying my um, my iPhone, and I was trying the website, and I finally did get through on the iPhone. And I was trying to add a black leather case to my order because that's what I've been using with the 5S. I actually really, really, really like it. I, I, I think it's an excellent case. And it was all choking all over the case. And so I thought, you know what, the heck with it. I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger on the phone. And just like you said, Mike, I'll go and get a case if I really want one. Um, th- that was all fine. The frustrating thing, however, though is I woke up at around my normal time, a little before seven in the morning to go to work, got on my phone just out of curiosity to see what was sold out and came came to find out that the 64 gig uh, iPhone 6 Space Gray had plenty of availability until like noon or something like that. In fact, it might even still be available for all I know. And that was a little bit annoying because I definitely didn't have to wake up that early. 
Um, yeah, but you can't look at it like that because the year you don't do that and you wake up in the morning, they'll be sold out. Oh, absolutely. And that is absolutely my luck. So I, I don't regret it. But um, but yeah, so to go back to episode four, I think it was, I definitely caved just as Mike said I would, just as Aaron said I would um, off the air. I caved and I decided to get an iPhone six. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Actually, by the time by the time you hear this episode, most of you, I should already have it. I'm uh, planning when I go to get my case. I'm planning to also buy Apple Care Plus. Mm. Have you done that in the past? No. But this phone's mm. so big, I fear I may drop it. See, that seems odd to me because I would think because it's so big, it would be easier to hold. And I'm really not trying to mess with you. I'm being no, genuine. one hand, man. You haven't got as much of a grip on it. Oh, interesting point. I didn't think of it that way. Fair enough. So I, uh, I, I'm going to get Apple Care Plus, I think, this time. How much does that run? About a hundred bucks? Seventy nine pounds. Um, oh, so that's like one hundred fifty dollars, then, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, but I spent seven hundred pounds on the phone, so oh, goodness, you know, it, it it evens out. I can live with it. That's some serious stuff. So I don't want to pay that amount again to replace the phone. So. Is that transferable if you were to sell the phone? I oh, know it only lasts a year, doesn't it? No, no, no. It lasts three years. I don't know if it's transferable. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's like assigned to the phone and not the... Because I, I know, it, I, I believe, I don't know, I believe that Apple Care is transferable. So I Interesting. Think. Or maybe I'm just thinking that, mm, I, I don't know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking, oh, I looked that up once. No, what I looked up once was if you could get Apple Care on a device that you buy from overseas. That was what I looked at. So oh. who knows if Apple Care is transferable? All right. Well, we get the idea. So hopefully by now you and I are completely in love with our phones and uh, hopefully not ignoring our loved ones too much. And trying to answer our email. Yes. And and trying to answer our email. Any other follow-up, Mike? Um, have you heard about these things called dinosaurs? No. I'm just going for how, how much out of date, can, how far yeah, out of date can we get on it? The 80s were fun. Um, okay, let, let's uh, let's thank our sponsor for this week, and then let's talk about work-life balance. Excellent. Lynda.com is an easy and affordable way to help individuals and organizations learn, and they are back to help support analog. With Lynda.com, you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on software, web development, graphic design, and so much more. They're adding new courses every single day, and Linda works directly with industry experts and software companies to make sure that not only are you getting the best people to give you this this kind of training, you're getting it as soon as possible, and in some instances, the same day as software is released. This is going to make sure that you're always up to speed and you've always got the best tools. And when I talk about tools, Linda has fantastic tools, including searchable transcripts, playlist creation, and you can even get course certificates too, which you can publish to your LinkedIn profile, which is really useful if you're a professional or an aspiring professional in a certain field. All of Linda's courses are produced with the highest production values in mind. They don't look like somebody has like, you know, used QuickTime to grab their screen uh, and created like a some some text in Word art and put it on the put it up on, on there and like, you know, used iMovie to make it. It's not like that. You know, these courses, they are produced in beautiful studios with, as I say, with these professionals, but they've also got professional equipment all around them. And they're broken down into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace 
from start to finish. Maybe you want to go backwards. Maybe you want to jump in at the middle. It's up to you. Linda gives you the flexibility to do that. Talking about flexibility, maybe you would like to learn on the go. Well, you can with the lynda.com apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Whether you are a beginner or advanced, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels with a wide and extremely varied list of topics. Now, you know, we, we usually talk about the usuals like, oh, maybe you want to learn logic or maybe you want to learn how to make an iOS app like Fast Text or something like that. But you can also do like 3D and animation stuff. Maybe you want to learn a bit about design, business development and things like that. You can do all of that. Marketing, they've got courses on that. Photography, so much more. It's kind of like if you're wanting to learn some skills or you're wanting to learn some skills to create a business or all of the other business stuff that you need, lynda.com can get you there. With just one low monthly price of $25, you have unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. And we have worked out a great deal of lynda.com to provide you with a special offer to access all of these courses for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash analog to sign up. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash analog with your spelling of choice. Thank you so much to Linda for supporting Analog and all of Relay FM. Thank you. I always love it when a sponsor cares enough to support both the correct and incorrect spellings of Analog. Would you like to know a little secret? I would love one. I ask sometimes. That's how Mm -hmm. much I love you. See, that is true love right there. It's actually nothing to do with that. I just don't want to lose any sponsorship revenue. <laughs> Should have just stopped talking. It's nothing to do with love or or, or anything. It's if an American refuses uh, to spell analog in the way that the show is spelled, uh, I want to make sure to get to the page. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk <laughs> about work-life balance. We got us. We got some feedback from listener Tim N. And uh, I think that's Nahumk. I don't know. I'm sorry, Tim. You should have stuck with N because then it just made it sound like you were keeping him anonymous. I know. Yeah, well, we'll edit in post, right? No. Uh, so listening to the latest podcast, number four, it came up several times that you both have what I like to call a J-O-B job. Why do you which, do that, by the way? Well, it's funny you ask that uh, because, <laughs> because Aaron asked me after listening to episode four or said, maybe she, I don't remember if she asked or said to me, but she said... You say J-O-B job like a lot. and uh, There was one episode where you said it about a thousand times in one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a uh, friend of the show, Faith Corpy, also uh, tweeted at me at some point asking what the crap a J-O-B job was. So when you, when you fraternize with people that are, um, are not employed in the traditional sense where you leave the home, you go to an office, you work for someone else, and then come back home... Uh, So, for example, my co-podcaster on ATP, Marco Arment, um, when when I say job, oftentimes I'm talking about something related to leaving the house, going to work for someone else, and then coming home. And when I talk about my job with Marco, well, he knows enough to know me, but with people like Marco, occasionally they have the mental image of basically walking from your bedroom to your in-home office in your you know, undergarments, and then sitting there all day and then walking back to the bedroom when it's time to go to bed. And so when I say J-O-B job, what I mean by that is a traditional, normal, leave the, leave the home job. But why does saying J-O-B I don't know. That? I got that. 
I don't know. I got it from somewhere. I didn't invent that. Yeah, it might have been Marco. This isn't the first time I've ever heard it. So I was hoping that you could remind me why people say that. But I think it's because Marco or someone was trying to point out that when he was talking about um, his job, or the, I'm sorry, he was talking about a traditional job, not his own job, which is, you know, staying in the house and writing code. Anyway, so my apologies for saying J-O-B job a thousand times. So let me get back to this feedback. Listening to the latest podcast number four, I came, it came up several times. You both have jobs <clears throat> and your side gigs. Um, so three questions. How do you balance your job and your side jobs? How do you manage the social media aspect of your side jobs with working and or your personal lives? Um, as someone who's thought about adding a side job in tech slash social media, I thought it would be make a good discussion topic topic to get your thoughts. Um, and so I think both of us have probably reasonably similar, similar perspectives about this. And it's funny because I really do like having a job and having that thing that I go and do outside of the home to bring money back home for the family and to get, you know, some of my professional itches scratched, if you will, and to just do things that I enjoy that I don't necessarily get to do all by my lonesome at home. But nevertheless, my side hustle, which is podcasting and occasionally writing and occasionally working on an iOS app that really needs to get updated. Yeah, all of those things I I find much more entertaining, even if they're not necessarily as lucrative. And so it's a very hard thing to balance. And actually, this is a very timely topic for me, because at the time we're recording this, Aaron and I are two months away from meeting our child, and we're running out of time when it's just us. And lately, I've happened to have done quite a few uh, guest spots on various podcasts. And additionally, I've started a new podcast called Analog. And so something I think I've been doing a pretty poor job of lately is making sure that there's enough time for Aaron and I, because we're running out of time where it's just Aaron and I. And I'm not, I'm not as good as Mike at making clear delineations between like family and loved one time and work time. And so I'd be curious to hear, Mike, how you handle that. But nevertheless, I'm trying to do a better job of making sure that outside of my nine to five job and the two shows that I do regularly, I need to do a better job of being in the moment and with Aaron and with my family when I'm not doing those things. All right. So before, what I wanted to do was to kind of to tackle each of those parts in turn. Sure. But I want to go back to that part that you just mentioned and say that you are being unfair on yourself and painting a too good of a picture of me. <laughs> no, and I mean that, Fair right? Enough. Because okay. I can guarantee that even in the, t the amount of time that you think you're not spending with Erin, the time that you are spending with her is way more than I spend with my girlfriend because I only see her from Friday night to Sunday evening. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the week we don't see each other because I'm doing this. Right. Right. So like I only do the, the, the thing where I completely shut off and, and try and give like as much of my attention to her as possible because I feel guilty all the time for the fact that I not only don't see her, I don't talk to her that much in the evenings because I'm mm -hmm. recording 
Right. Right. So I don't. I don't. I don't give her the attention that she deserves, and, and I don't. I don't. I don't feel good about it. So I try and balance it. I mean, but even then, like, there are times in weekends where I will be doing things or I'll be working on things, and she's very gracious to that. She she works very hard at her job. So she will always find things to do in the weekends, and but we just spend that time with each other, you know. So it, it you you still feel together because we're like sitting sure. next to each other and working on something or whatever. But I try to just. I think if she saw the amount of time I was on my phone every day, uh, she would be shocked, um, as probably most people would. Hence, why I need the biggest battery possible, because uh, <laughs> I spend so much time on my phone, and and that that's we're going to get to talking about that in a minute, I think. But yeah, it's just to say like the personal life part and the balancing of like my work and my personal life is atrocious. Like, I mean, I, I spoke about, it was on this show, right? Where I spoke about sacrificing friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm, sacrificing mm-hmm. friends and social life. Like that's work-life balance. Like my two jobs, I have completely destroyed the social aspect of my life by choice. You know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not looking for a pity parade. As I said before, like, that was a decision that I chose to make, stand by, and would make again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like I, I, I only do like th- that part, you know, in in my romantic relationship because I feel so bad, and I am most of the time not very not very attentive, and and that right. it bothers me. Right. So to to your point, to come back to the three questions, let's start with the first. How do you balance your job and your side jobs? <laughs> let's hope no one from my job is listening. So I I work nine to five, and I really do work nine to five. So I work in a very large corporate corporation, a huge one of the world's biggest companies, basically. Is is and it's in finance. I will not say any more than that. Um, so they are a huge corporation, very demanding corporation. I arrive at my desk at nine a.m. and I leave at five p.m. I'm always the first out. Every single day, I'm the first out. Everybody else stays late. I think that there is an element. There is a few things that play in this. Some people are very busy, but not every day. There is, I feel, elements of inefficiency in that. When some, at least in my workplace, people stay past five o'clock. Some people are doing it to prove a point, right? I work so hard, mm-hmm. um, and I also think that there is an element of people just not being able to let go. Because I leave my office with things unfinished, but I know they're still going to be there tomorrow, so I'll right. just do them tomorrow. And I've never understood, even before I was doing this stuff, I never understood that mentality of people like freaking out because something isn't done and then staying till seven o'clock to finish it. Like probably the people that are waiting on it have also gone home. So maybe you <laughs> should just should just not do it. There was something I read something once, um and I, and I can't remember where, where where I got this about workaholics. And and it was about how, like, people claim to be a workaholic. Like, oh, you know, I work so hard. I work constantly. But there is an element in that which is can, to some employers, be unattractive because it means that potentially you're not... All you're doing is just spending time in the office. And you, you 
if you were to limit your amount of time in the office, you'd maybe be more productive because you had less time to do everything in. All you're doing is draining the company's resources by being there all the time. And it's a really interesting look at things. And I don't pass that judgment on people because I'm not saying that if you leave at five, if you leave past 5 p.m., that you are lazy and useless. I'm saying in my corp- in my company, I don't think, and I think in many corporations, um, there are a lot of times where you don't need to do that. Now, I work in marketing, so I work with a lot of agencies. Those guys, I do not blame for staying late because they have incredible demands that are placed on us by their client, are placed on them by their clients like us, where we say to them, we need X tomorrow, you do not have a choice in this, and then they will stay until 8 p.m. to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. That is a, a thing. That is that way that side of the of our business works. Um, and, you know, it's it's a common joke on the agency side that the clients just don't do any work and they take two-hour lunches and leave at 4 p.m. Right, right. Um, I can't even remember how I started on this. and I, I've just <laughs> completely just gone into a rant. How did we get... How, what was the question, Casey? How do you balance your job and your side job? I'm so sorry. No, it's quite all right. So, yeah, so as I was saying, I work a nine-to-five. Uh, and the one of the ways that I'm able to balance it is by being very strict about putting my eight hours in every day and no more. So I leave at five o'clock, and that allows me to be able to get home and do my do my thing. However, my day at the office is interspersed with lots of work for Relay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, my side job does not balance with my J-O-B job uh, because uh, even during my J-O-B time, uh, I am siding it up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think all of us are guilty of that to some degree, one way or the other. And to go back just a, a step or two, um, you had said that you tend to work, uh, you know, roughly forty hours a week. You go in at nine, you leave at five, and that is generally your schedule. And I come from a little bit of a different perspective because while, and I'm assuming that this is true for you, Mike. Um, while I'm salaried, I'm a consultant, and so I'm to some degree, kind of like the agency that you work with insofar as people, uh, other companies pay my company for my time and I am the product. My time is the product that's being sold. And so it's a hard thing. It's something I've struggled with quite a lot lately. It's a hard thing to have a good balance, even within my job of doing things to self-improve, things to help improve the company and doing client work. Because if I'm just doing things that are absolutely productive, but are not for a client, I'm wasting money. And it's a very hard thing. And I tend to take a similar approach. Um, My company expects us to work 45 hours a week. So I actually typically get in at eight in the morning, typically eat lunch while I'm working, and then leave at about five. And a friend of mine, Jamie, said to me once years ago, you know, if you're working more than 40 or 45 hours a week on a regular basis something is fundamentally broken. And I actually think he was right about that, in that if you have a company that values its employees and and you have people around you that put in the work and don't just stand around the water cooler all day, most every job, I've, I mean, every job I've ever been in and most every job I can conceive 
if you should be able to get it done in 40 or 45 hours a week. I'm sure that there are going to be exceptions and you don't need to email us about it. All I'm saying is your average worker should be able to get it done 40 to 45 hours. And so how do I balance my job and my side job? Just like you, Mike, I put very strict limits on my real job, my regular job. And that's probably going to cost me perhaps financially, certainly in terms of promotions. But to me, I, I, it's really important to me to have, a, have time for Aaron and soon Sprout and also time for my side hustle. And if I put 150% into my regular job, as I did just a few years ago, I wouldn't have time for those other things. So how do I balance it? I balance it by accepting the fact that I'm not going to be a superstar in my day job. So I have enough time and energy to hopefully be a superstar in my side job. I can totally get on board with that. Like, I used to be the guy. I mean, and this was before I started working on a side thing. I think having side things just change it a bit as well for you, you know? that I wanted to just be the best that I could ever be. But I'm kind of content at just being good at my job. I don't have to be the best at my job. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And, and that, that that was just a, a very fundamental and important change for me um, was, was to think of things that way. And, and my life has been much better and I'm much happier because of it. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Radig in the chat said... Um, I get paid for doing what I love and would do it anyway. I do not believe something is broken if I do what I love for more than a pre- predetermined number of hours. That's true. What I mean when I said if you're working more than 40 hours, something's broken, what I meant by that is I, uh, perhaps a better way of phrasing it was would be if you are compelled to work more than 40 hours, something is broken. So if you choose to work 120 hours a week on Relay, Mike, cool. That's what you want to do. I probably will. And, and you probably will. But if your, um, your regular job tells you to work 120 hours a week or really compels you to work 120 hours a week, I, th- I think that something is fundamentally broken. I think if you're contracted to do something mm-hmm. and you work those hours because it's your job, and you don't do it for the extra money. You do it just to make sure that your job is done. You don't do it because you love it, like it's not your passion. Then I think that that's that's where I think you, I, I'm only expanding on what you're saying. That that's where I think that there's a problem. Like I, right. I, I think it's when being contracted is one point, and then for it not to be like, like you know, it's very possible that. Um, a photographer or like a journalist or something they love what they do so much or people in advertising right they they love they love their jobs and they stay mm-hmm. late because they choose to because sure. they, they want to be really good at their job and and that's not i don't think that that's what i'm i'm concerned with like basically i have a concern that if you don't like your job and you put in more than your contracted hours i think that's where you need to reassess your work life balance and if you work in a company that doesn't value it then you need to rethink the company which is so simple and easy to do like to say not to do it's the opposite to do <laughs> yep. i can sit here and say it 
but but the thing is there there I believe that there are things that you can do and I have done them that, that allow you to to be able to deal with those things a bit better and that is about being more restrictive with the amount of time that you allow your job to take from you but then also trying to find a way to be able to shut off from your job which is very hard um, but it actually goes back to you know I was talking last week about the um, it's not going to eat you type yep. scenario you know like they're not going to eat you that they're not going to eat you got me out of that, you know, that really horrible feeling of being in my job. And that, you know, that came up again, like not recently, but maybe about six or seven months ago. And I was able to get myself back into a better situation where I'm much happier in my job by realizing like there are so many worse things yep, that absolutely. could be happening. And, and it they actually can't, like the worst they can do is fire me. That's the worst thing. And in, at least in my country, and I, and I don't mean to, to be that guy about it, but at least in my country, if I get fired, the very worst thing that happens to me is I have to just scale back my um, quality of living because mm-hmm. I, can, I can find a new job, and for the time that I can't find a new job, the state will support me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep, absolutely. So like, And, and that's... that's you know, it's really not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, you know, I tend to think of it the same way and not to turn this completely into back to work, but I know we're flirting dangerously with it. Um, I think you can also empower yourself to be prepared for such things by, for example, having some savings so that if you do lose your job, it's not going to financially ruin you immediately. It may financially ruin you, but it will at least take a couple of months or a few weeks or something like that. Um, And speaking of back to work, a lot of what we're talking about tonight, um, not deliberately, but it ends up that a lot of these sorts of concepts and techniques are discussed in uh, Merlin Mann's wonderful podcast, Back to Work with Dan Benjamin. And it's certainly worth listening to every one of the like 340 episodes <laughs> that there have been um, to get some tips on this. Now, Mike, how do you handle and manage social media, the social media aspect of relay with, re- with your regular job? How do you, how do you keep them separate? Do, do you worry about what you tweet? Do you worry about when you tweet? How do you, how do you deal with that? Um, I wouldn't necessarily want to say the relay part, but just more me. And so, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. we don't do an amazing amount of social media stuff in relay. Like, when I'm at home, I have the relay um, at mentions panel open, so I can just sure. watch those come in. But we, you know, we, we're not sitting there and doing social media marketing all day. Um, we kind of respond to things or. We or the, you know the show tends to just outwardly post information, right? But right. you know if you look at all of my social media as a whole um, and the way that I manage that, arguing that I am a brand, mm-hmm. um, I just do it all day. Like it's just just a constant thing. It's one of the reasons my phone is used so much because I don't have the ability to download um, even a Twitter for Windows app because my machines are so locked down, I actually can't even go to Mm -hmm. twitter.com. So I use my phone to do these things all day. And I really, it's just something that I don't care about. Like I, I use social media all day at work. I'm not the only one that does it. Like I think 
personally, I think that if you're as an employer, if you don't allow a little bit of that to occur during the day, you need to re rethink the way that you're allowing your employees to work. Like taking those things away doesn't mean people work more. Right. It just means they go to the water cooler instead. Yeah, because all that what they're doing at that point is not working. They're not they're not on social media. They are not working. So if you take social media away, they'll find another way to not work. So you may as well allow them to do the not working in the way that they want to and be happy. So they're more inclined to do good work as opposed to them still not working and being upset at you. Right. Because people, you know, people, people like me at least, like I go to social media when I need a little break. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go to social media like because I'm halfway through writing a brief, and I'm like, let's just go to social media right now. Like it, it's not the way that it works for me. It's like so I'm like, okay, I, I need to take a break from this for a minute. Yeah, I mean, or I get notifications, but you know, I the notifications don't necessarily pull me in, but. They just let me know. I like thinking about tweets. So <laughs> so when I see someone send me a notification, sometimes I just sit and think about it for a few minutes. I, I quite like that that thought exercise. Right, right. So many people will think that is horrifying and unhealthy. But yeah, I like, I like I get a tweet and I, and I do a couple of things. One, I try and think of either a witty response if necessary or I just try and think of a nice way to say something. Yep. That's, no, I, I hear it you. It weird, but... No, it doesn't make you weird. And it's funny because I'll walk around my office and not always, but you know, oftentimes I'll see at least one person screwing around on Facebook and I don't think that's unreasonable. You know, instead of a cigarette break, you're taking a Facebook break or what have you. Um, I pretty much never look at Facebook at work because I don't personally get that much out of Facebook. But I certainly look at Twitter you know, on a fairly regular regular basis. And, you know, this is an extremely self-obsessed thing to do or to say. But like you kind of touched on earlier, to some degree, you and I are trying to build our own personal brands. and. And I feel sleazy just having said that out loud, but I feel, for right or wrong, some compulsion to continue to do that. And you never know if maybe somebody will seek out an iOS developer or .NET developer in Richmond, Virginia, and they'll say, you know what? I know someone who lives in Richmond. That's Casey Liss. And I'm going to figure out where he works in a not creepy, stalkery way, and I will try to engage his company because I think Casey will do a great job. And so maybe I'm lying to myself. Maybe that's a bunch of BS, but I like to think that there's at least a a possibility that my employer will benefit from my um, being out there on the internet and having some modicum of fame. And that, that kind of comes back to the question, you know, how do you manage the social media aspect of your side jobs with your regular job? And one thing I will say, though, about how I handle social media with regard to my regular job is in the same way we were talking, I believe it was the last episode, about how we would never take like a spousal or a, you know a loved one problem to the internet. I never take client problems to the internet. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yep. Because I, nev- I am waiting for the day that a client that isn't cool finds my Twitter account and looks at my tweets and says, I know that was about me and that's not reasonable and that's not fair. 
and I'm going to your boss about it. And if I'm saying something snarky about a client on the internet, I think that's a little childish if they go to my boss about it, but I don't think it's unreasonable. So You shouldn't have said it in the first place. Right. And so because of that, I am very strict with myself, exceedingly strict with myself, that I am never critical of a client uh, on a tweet or anything like that. Occasionally, I'll throw out kind of flippant remarks about work in general, but those those are often things that just affect all companies. You know, oh my God, I have a day of meetings or, um, you know, oh my goodness, we've just put something in the parking lot and that's such a silly phrase, you know, things like that. But <laughs> but but I never, ever, ever say anything disparaging about a client. And I like to think I don't say disparaging things about my company, but I will occasionally say something disparaging about the the way work is in 2014. Are you the same way? I know you're not a consultant, so you don't necessarily have clients, but just in general. I, I don't even find the things that I do on a daily basis even interesting enough to worth worth complaining about. <laughs> in all honesty, like I'm a, I'm a project manager in essence, and, and not even a, a, a even in an exciting way. My job isn't massively great. I look forward to the day where I can, where I can actually talk about it. <laughs> as do I. As do I. Um. So, how do you manage, you know, the social media aspect of of your personal life with regard to both? you know, your job, which I think we sort of touched on, but also with your side job with Relay. I mean, we've talked a lot about how you don't like to get your girlfriend involved in your social media profile, for lack of a better word, uh, or persona maybe is a better way of phrasing it. But, and you've talked about, you know, family matters. Is there anything you have to add about how you treat your personal life with regard to like Relay and all that? Um, I mean, if we're looking at like social, as you say, not, I'm pretty much me except for cursing but this is kind of the me that you expect uh you know i am a person who swears in real life i just don't swear on the internet it's kind of my only other thing i've spoken about that in a bunch of different places Mm -hmm. um that was and I, th- I think the only other thing that I wanted to talk about today was like the work-work balance, but I think we kind of covered that, right? Like, and when I say that, like work-work balance is the idea of how you try and give uh, time to your real job and side job. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but let, let's talk about them in balance, right? Because not necessarily so much in how do you like, you know how do they overlap or whatever like i'm in pure hours how many hours a week do you work on your side jobs okay so i'm going to think about this out loud so atp even on a regular length episode and as we record we just released the post apple event episode which was darn near three hours but even on a regular length episode i tend to talk to john and marco about three hours it's just a lot of that is us, you know, just kicking the can, if you will, um, before and after the show. So that's three hours there. You and I tend to talk for between one and two hours. We'll call it two hours. Um, outside of that, for both shows, I I try every week. Although this these show, these episodes I haven't been able to, I try every week to listen to them at one x using Apple earbuds, not using my normal Bluetooth uh, headphones. 
and take notes of times where there's background noise that can be clipped or maybe we're cross-talking or something like that. So that means an average episode of ATP is about two hours. An average length uh, episode of analog is about one hour. So I said three to record ATP, two to record this, that's five, plus another two for ATPs at it, that's seven, plus another one for this, that's about eight hours a week. Now, to be fair, what I typically do is I'll listen to the and do the edits as I'm working at my regular job, because as long as I'm not deeply, deeply concentrating on something or obviously in a meeting, I can I can do that edit reasonably without really distracting myself very much. And it might take me all darn day to get through a two hour episode of ATP or sometimes even a one hour episode of analog. But eventually I will be able to get it done during the day. And so to me, that's a reasonable compromise because I don't think I'm causing any harm to my regular work, if that makes sense. But I'm trying to most efficiently use my time for both the regular and side gig. Um, But to concretely answer your question, I'd say between five and 10 hours a week on the 10 side is spent doing ATP and analog. Oh, and what I didn't mention actually is that occasionally I'll do guest spots, which adds no, a couple hours every time I do a spot. It's really hard for me to understand how much of my time I spend on relay. That's because it's all of it mentally most of it (laughs) like when i'm not when i'm doing other things i'm thinking about this constantly Mm -hmm. um i mean i i definitely monday to thursday at least from six to about half past one i'm working on relay um that's pretty much exclusive um but it's not going to be like that forever right i mean i feel like for the last two years, I've been saying it's just around the corner, but knowing it never really was. <laughs> it just felt like it should be. Right. Like, for every reason I should be, I'm in a situation which tells me that this should be happening, but it never happened, you know? Yep. I am just around the corner. Like, Relay just needs to continue being... If Relay continues to be as successful as it is with no growth, it's enough. The fact that we're adding more shows and the network is performing very well and, you know, we're we're meeting and exceeding lots of expectations that, that we'd set out, it's definitely end of this year if we're booking into next year the way that we've already been booking up to the end of this year if that continues there's there's no there's no reason anymore that i i can't quit my job and and then focus on building relay even more and i may and most likely will continue to work exactly the same hours but it will be like 12 to 14 hours a day of something that I love. Do you know what? I actually love all of it. And I didn't think I would. <laughs> you mean all of Relay? All, no, all of the pros, all of the things that you need to do, mm-hmm. including like the the selling part. I thought I wouldn't enjoy it, but I do enjoy it because 
I don't enjoy selling in general, but the way that we talk to our sponsors and the way that their sort of enthusiasm for podcasting and for what we're doing makes it fun to do. Mm-hmm. Because you're kind of like, there isn't really a lot of cold calling because I'm lucky enough to, to, to know a bunch of people. And then we have people contact us and, and and it's it's not that difficult to sell. You just just do a deal, like you know, you work on it, and you work out terms that ha- everyone's happy with, and then you just keep in contact with them. Like it's not massively difficult once you get in. I mean, and I appreciate for anybody that's trying to sell podcast sponsorships. Please understand, it took me five years to get to this point. Like I didn't just roll into this. And and I know, trust me, I know how hard it is. And but you just have to keep going, you just have to keep going, and you have to keep knocking on doors, and eventually you'll get there. It's not, you know, it's not easy, um, because you know we face, I I face a lot of rejection every day. Like I'm sending emails out to companies, if they get back to you, you know, is one thing. Sometimes they say that they're not interested. But we get a lot of people that are interested and in, in that and I love it. And so it's like I'm I, I feel like I'm just like just just there. You know? I'm just just yeah. there. So I'm hoping that, you know, by the end of this year my my work life balance won't even be a problem anymore because the the work that I'm doing won't be such of an issue for me. Sure. Now let me ask you kind of a corollary question, which is less about work life balance, but something I've thought about. So, you know, let's say hypothetically that I could, I get to the point that I could, or my, our family, my family could live off of just the money I make from podcasting. Would I be willing to to hang up my coat or what have you and stop doing my regular job? And I don't know that I would. And one of the reasons, one of there's many reasons, but one of them is I'd be so scared that tomorrow you'll say to me, you know, I can't do analog anymore. And then tomorrow afternoon, John or Marco will say, "Mm, you know, I can't do ATP anymore. And then what do I do? Now, what I'd like to hear you talk about, Mike, is do you have that fear and how do you get past it? But let me also point out that I recognize that to, I think, a bigger degree than I, you have a lot more control over your own destiny because Relay is your and Steven's thing. And I don't think even if you decided to walk away, I don't think that Steven would just let Relay fold. And, and conversely, if Steven decided to walk away, I don't think you would let Relay fold. But nevertheless, does it does the idea of leaving a quote-unquote regular job for a few years, does that scare you? It's terrifying. And the, the problem that we have is, like, I was actually thinking about 15, 20 minutes ago, uh, Casey could be a risk. <laughs> because your family's about to change and oh, sure. you were talking about the, the the balance and I'm not going to make any um, I won't make any bones about it. if you have to choose between this and ATP like there is one choice that you would sensibly make like mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate that but th- that is the business that I know that I work in. I work in the entertainment industry, right? For as if you're going to classify it in some way, and that is full of personalities, and there are, there are things that you have to do, and there are times where uh, we have to 
think about people and people's feelings and people's opinions, and we have to act accordingly. And sometimes that will be person A doesn't want to do the show anymore. So yep. you've got basically you just need to, you need to build your company around the fact that you understand that and you mm -hmm. need to let that go but at the same time and as you can clearly see that I am doing and that Stephen obviously I say I we are doing is ensuring that relay is continuing to adapt we are a month mm -hmm. in and we're launching new shows and we're not going to be launching new shows every month but the the idea being that we are going to continue to grow the network to protect us as much as create fun stuff because we can only continue to create good stuff if, the, if our interests are protected as a business. And that means expanding the network, bringing in new shows, but only expanding it to the point where it feels necessary, but always having something ready and always something lined up. So if Casey decides that he wants to leave analog, right, well, then we go on to the next thing then. Yep. That makes sense. But it doesn't scare you? Like, what happens if Relay collapses in five years and you go to work in marketing again and people ask, well, what have you been doing for five years? And you say, oh, I've been podcasting. Does that does that scare you? Or do you think, are you that confident? And I'm not trying to imply that you shouldn't be, but are you that confident in Relay that, that doesn't even, that's not even a blip on your radar? It's a fear I have, but I have a couple of things about it. So I am scared of it. I think anyone that loves something is always worried that it might go away. Um, and that can mean anything that you love. Even you, Mike? Even even me. Even I worry that I might go away. <laughs> uh, but so there's, I have a couple of feelings about it. Like, I think that I am confident enough in my abilities to create interesting things that I would find something else to do. Right, that's really well put. Um, and it might mean that I have to go back to the drawing board, so it takes me another five years. And it might mean that I have to go and find another job. But fine, I'll go and do that. But the other thing is, and I try and think to myself, is podcasting an industry that will continue? Like, what happens? Like, are people going to care about this? And I think to myself, it's entertainment. People always want entertainment. And for as long as this is going to be a viable medium, it just exists on the fact that people want to be entertained. And podcasting will only go away when something replaces it. And whatever replaces podcasting, I will try and make sure I'm there. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. It really does. So, uh, yes, it is. Of course, it's a fear, but it's I can't, I can't and won't let it consume me because it, otherwise I won't do anything. Yeah, I've seen I've seen other sense. people do this and be successful for many many years, and I don't see anything there that we can't do. There is there yeah. is nothing in any successful podcast that a podcast on relay cannot achieve, in my opinion. Oh, I I completely agree with you, and I, for the record, I think that you and Stephen are setting yourselves up very well to be diversified. Even though you're all in on podcasting, you're diversifying within podcasting. And I think you being in, you being in charge of relay with Steven gives you a lot or takes away a lot of the risk because you've got so many shows that you're working with and that diversifies so much that it makes it easier by comparison for me, 
like I said earlier, if just John hypothetically decides, you know what, I'm tired of reviews, I'm tired of ATP, I just, I need a break. I don't know that Marco and I would continue. I don't know that we would try to find another host. We might just say, you know what, we're very thankful for the run we had, and that's going to be that. And then again, you could say the exact same thing at the same time. And then what? That's a large part of the reason why I do keep my regular job. I do like my regular job, but I I also feel like for me, I need to stay diversified so that if the regular job goes away, I could survive off the the, the money I, I'm able to make via podcasting. And more importantly, if the podcasting goes away, well, then I'm back to a couple of years ago when nobody knew who the hell I was and life will go on. I'll never forget you. <laughs> I will never forget you either, Michael. I mean, of course, Relay is, is doing well and has been successful because we have the one and only Casey Liss. Yeah, that's all me. That's totally it. Are we oh, done, please. Casey Liss? I think that's good. If you want to catch our show notes, which there's not really much of this week, uh, relay.fm slash analog slash six. Um, and you can... Did I tell you that we have both spellings of analog for the site too? You did, and it made me and continues to make me extremely happy. Got to give the people what they want, even if what they want is fundamentally incorrect. Um, <laughs> uh, but you can also find all the links there to contact us. If you want to send us an email, you can. Uh, you hit the contact button. Uh, I can pretty much assure you that that Casey will respond, uh, and, and I will uh, at least read. Um, I will always read. I will sometimes respond. And anytime he doesn't respond, I pretend to be him and respond. So <laughs> you can choose which one of us you think you're getting. Um, if you want to catch us on Twitter, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Casey is at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. Uh, Jason loves that I do that. I can't help it. Um, we are uh, at underscore analog uh, FM. Mm-hmm. Analo- you know, a- you- underscore analog FM. Did you really just have to double check me on that? It's 20 past 12 at night. I'm very tired. <laughs> that is my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Uh, <laughs> I need to balance my work and and sleep. And sleep. <laughs> oh man, sleep. Uh no, we can't talk about sleep. We just go fall back to work at that point. Yep. Um Where was I? Who knows? I think we were saying goodnight. Oh, and... I was saying that we do have a Twitter account for the show. Uh Casey has vowed to to do better with that, so we can trust in him to do that. Um because he's a nice guy. You're a nice guy like that, aren't you, Casey? I try. I certainly try. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Analog. We'll be back next time with hopefully some more timely follow-up. Say, <laughs> say goodbye, Casey Liss. Goodbye. Casey Liss. I almost did it, but then I thought better of it. All right, goodbye, Mike. Bye.